and I think as you're older too, you may be a little bit more, a little more concerned about cellulite and, and all those things. It's like you're, it's not that easy at 40 to get naked in front of somebody for the first time. Joe McNally is this week's guest. We're talking about her book, When Sparks Fly, which is an absolute delight to read. Joe writes about older characters finding love, and while I love angst-filled youth as much as the rest of us, there's something really wonderful about reading older characters who have enough life experience to cut straight through the bullshit. Plus, it's refreshing when, old, when people write older women who are vital and sexy and filled with desire. Our culture bows at the altar of youth, sexualizing women at horrifically young ages. And then we hit 35 and our sexuality is completely denuded. We're raced at the peak when we're finally really figuring out sex and orgasms and what gives us pleasure and ultimately feeling comfortable in our own bodies. It's why I wrote Fade Into You. Um, the music industry is vampiric, feasting on the blood of some, very, some, of, some of the very young, um, sometimes too young artists. And many of them go into the industry not quite understanding what it all means, the predatory behavior, the alarmingly bad contracts. And while I love my younger characters, I wanted to take a look at the music scene through the eyes of people who survived it and came out the other side. And of course, how did that impact their relationship? So more older characters, please. Before we dive into the interview and the steamy scene, I just want to give a shout out to Canva. Authors have to take on a lot of roles when it comes to their books, even if you're trad published. And I am no graphic designer, trust me. Canva's got my back. I can quickly and easily create graphics for social media, my website, whatever it is that needs imaging. Canva helps me move my author business forward. Check out their pro plan, which includes stock images, videos, sounds. Visit lgreco.rocks forward slash Canva. That's an affiliate link. So and not only do you get a graphic designer in your pocket, you also help support this show. Now, on to the interview. Joe McNally writes the same kind of romances she likes to read, stories about characters facing real-life challenges with real-life consequences. The stories are emotional, but still have humor, and love always finds a way to pull the characters through together. She lives in upstate New York with 100 pounds a dog and 200 pounds a husband. She says her slice of the bed is very small. When she's not writing or reading romance novels or clinging to the edge of her bed, she can be found on the back porch sipping wine with family and friends while listening to an eclectic playlist. If the weather is absolutely perfect, she might join her husband on the golf course, where she always feels far more competitive than her actual skill level would suggest. Welcome, Joe. I am thrilled to have you on Steam Scenes. Well, thanks so much for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many questions. First of all, um, we uh, we have a scene. We're going to be reading a steamy scene from When Sparks Fly, Rendezvous Falls, book five, right? which is, um, I, I have an advanced cop copy. It's coming out August 9th, which is probably around the time this is going to release. I always have, um, I always record very, very early. Right. Um, so, so this is kind of perfect timing. And I... I'm like I was telling you in the in the the virtual green room. <laughs> I loved this book. I, I'm still like I said I'm still reading through it because I got stuck with work stuff, so I had to 
press pause, but yeah. I am enjoying it so much. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. So, you know, everybody listening, like one click that sucker. Cause it's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so Joe, I'm going to ask you the question. I always ask everybody, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Oh gosh. I, I like, I'm one of those that as a young, young child wanted to write books. Um, I think part of it came from my fifth grade teacher as far as really getting into creating worlds. Uh, I always loved books, but she would put pictures from magazines. Remember those? <laughs> what are those? Yeah, really. <laughs> they, they were paper. <laughs> Hilariously, would... I work for one of those on my day oh, job. Good. And still publish I love paper, magazines. which is wild. Yeah. <laughs> And she would take pictures of like advertisements or whatever, but just a scene and tape them to the blackboard and give us like half an hour to write a story about oh what God. was happening. And so it you were was getting the, like writing prompts. Exactly. And it was like you learned how to look at a picture and say, who is that woman and why are they in a field and where's the dog? And, you know, but <laughs> even as a kid, you started imagining stories about people. And I think that's really what gave me the seed to want to. It took me a long time to like actually do it. It stayed a dream for a long time, but that was where the seeds were planted. That is super interesting. I mean, I'm kind of curious. Do you have any idea what her, like why she did that? Because it's like, that's actually a very unusual thing to sort of give, you know, kids class time to... I don't know, like stretch their imaginations and be creative. She, she was just Mrs. Williamson, who has since passed, but I did run into her in adulthood and I recognized her right away and told her what a terrific teacher and what like a lifelong effect. She was just very into creativity. She yeah. wanted people to think for themselves and imagine situations. And she moved our desks around all the time. So we were never in the same spot or the same configuration. She just really inspired that. Think differently, think outside the box, as they say now. <laughs> I don't know, is that still a thing anymore? I, I've been out I of the cor corporate world for a while. <laughs> I think it's still a thing. Well, I do want to ask you about that. So you, your career took you down this sort of like corporate, like yes. down that corporate road. And, you know, you don't have to be specific, but I'm curious, like where you ended up, but what you ended up doing. Well, everything that I did through the corporate world, I did a lot of customer service, training customer service, which, surprise, I wrote training programs that other people used. There was always writing in there. Okay. You know, I was the one that people would bring their stuff to and say, can you proofread this? Um, you know, can you change this? Uh, my last jo uh, corporate job was for a furniture manufacturer, but I ended up helping with marketing as well as managing the customer service department. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. so there was always some sort of writing woven into what you were doing. It seems yes. like that's where you were gravitating yeah. to begin with. But when did you sit down and be like, I got a book in me and I'm going to write it? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> I was, when I was at this furniture company, I was the you know, international director of customer service. Oh my God, that's and, a big title. I know. Isn't that a fancy? Yeah. Are you impressed? Yeah. I am. <laughs> it looked, it was very long on my business card. Yeah. 
one of the other managers invited me to come speak to her daughter's uh, Girl Scout class for career night because she wanted them to see that it's, you know, nothing wrong with doctors and nurses and teachers, but she's like, I want them to see they can go into business and that there's career paths there as well. So I was like, sure. And they all, you know, these, they, the girls were all broken up into little groups and they had their questions that they asked everyone, you know, and plugged in whatever your job title was. And this little girl looked at me and said, when you were a little girl, did you dream of being an international director of customer service when you Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And And you're like, (laughs) yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I need to go write a book. (laughs) I mean, don't we all dream about international customer service? (laughs) It was such a lightning bolt moment. Like I can't even tell you it was, you know, and of course, yeah inside my head, my answer was, uh, hell no. (laughs) Yeah. How do you respond to that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I said, I framed it around, you know, I always wanted to help people and in customer service, you help, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Blah, blah. Nice save. Nice save. But I went home and it just kept repeating and repeating. And, you know, a couple of times through the years, I'd say, I'm going to write that book. I'm going to write that book. But that was a moment that I knew it was, I was in my early fifties. Okay. And I had, I just had to do it. Not now when, and I just decided now and started writing. Oh my God. So that first story, was it a romance? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, you just knew that you were going to write romance. Yeah. I've been a romance reader for years. I, I mean, on and off, I, you know, I kind of went away from re- even reading for a while in the corporate world. You know how that yeah. goes like you were just saying with <laughs> with trying to finish the book it gets tougher but you know romance kind of had its renaissance you know in the 20 years or so ago and not a renaissance but it just kind of had a re- like a rebound and became more popular i think probably when kindles became mm. available yeah um and so i was drawn back into oh hey people are still reading and writing romance and fell in love with it all over again. Right. When did you first start reading though? The rom- romance was it? Um, probably in my teens. I had a friend that loaned me a Victoria Holt book, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> and you know that was it. That it was you know King of the Castle was the first book, and I just loved it. You know, it was again a new world, a different. You know, I was reading. Um, I read Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, very young and loved the magic of world building. But then to get into the actual romance of relationships of the, oh, no, are they going to make it? And, oh, good, they made it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like that arc worked really well for me. That's okay. This is that's really, really interesting because I'm kind of curious, like, for like for me when I was young like I wasn't a big reader um and I know that a lot of uh, like very few authors have been on this podcast and say "Ah, I wasn't a big reader I I read a lot of plays that was actually my jam I really liked reading dialogue um and I also read a lot of what my mom called trash right so (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) smart (laughs) yeah yeah that's what my mother called when I graduated into like Joanna Lindsay and some of those as a young adult that's my mother tagged them as that as smart (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I would used to, I would sneak into like the, the Walden books near us and I would like sort of like cram myself like in a little corner and read like Sweet Valley High and all those right. sort of like teen, young adult, you know, preteen, yeah. you know, kind of like, I don't know, romance light books, right? Um, right. That, that I wasn't allowed to bring back home, you know? Um, so I just, I like... Although, you know, at the same time, like she would have welcomed Lord of the Rings in the house. And I was just like, no. So, I... <laughs> Yeah, that's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Oh, so... <laughs> Although I love like, you know, I love I love fantasy and I love urban yeah. fantasy. But I don't know with Lord of the Rings. I read The Hobbit. I loved it. I can't do Lord of the Rings. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. Um, but, but I just think that that's really interesting that, that, you know, that romance really did capture imagination. I'm just kind of curious what it was about that, about it in particular. I think a lot of it was, especially at that time in romance, um, well, even now, it's like winning the, the reformed rake you know, mm. the, the man who can't be saved or the, the, you know, the hero, the damaged hero. Right. Something about that talked to me and I have no idea why, but it just like that, you know, that love can turn things around and right. kind of going along that moment of wanting the hero to be saved. And now it's a little bit more, let's say more even, you know, with the, heroes and heroines if it's a male female book uh i'll say main characters but having either one of the main characters work through something and find their way through to the other side right with love and right. you know it's not a i always say love isn't a magic pill it doesn't solve problems just because you fall in love but that inspiration to reform because right. of love yeah, it can kind of be like a beacon, right? You know, right. it can kind of be that guide, right? To right. sort of guide you through this process of, of change or whatever that might be. So yeah. so to sort of go back to the first book that you wrote, um, <laughs> <laughs> did you, okay, so w what was it? Did you publish it? Is it, is the, it like, was it the first the book you The first one did not. The second okay. one did eventually, oh. but yeah. Okay. The first one was practice. <laughs> um, and I loved it. I have, I've taken scenes out of it and plugged them into books. So it lives on in parts. Okay. <laughs> it was just the story. They And I have to watch this even when I'm drafting is I want people to be in love, like right away. <laughs> insta so, love, nothing wrong yeah, with insta -love, that. Yeah, insta love, yeah. You know, it's like they meet, they hate each other, and by the fourth chapter, they're in love. And that, you know, that was like the first book. <laughs> and then other things happen to them. And I fortunately submitted that one to Harlequin, among other places and, and agents. But the Harlequin editor took the time to write back and say, this is great. I loved this scene. This was fabulous. But they get together too soon and stuff just happens to them as a couple. Mm. And so you're not seeing the arc or the romance. So that was a huge help. You know, that was great advice going into the next one. What do you think you were sort of working through there? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to ask here. So forgive the clunkiness of this question, but I'm really kind of fascinated by this. You brought, you brought them together right away and then things happened to them. So I'm kind of curious, 
where because you know we do connect our characters at one point they do get together and then there usually is something that splits them right like right. that kind of seems to be the pattern of the books right and then they come back together again at the end because you know love is never easy and smooth and right. so I'm just kind of <laughs> kind of curious like what like what were you what was sort of what were you sort of plotting out for them I guess is the question I'm not even sure that that's well, right and, and I think with the first book that was what I was missing <laughs> With plot? It's, okay. it's plotting out, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just dove in and right. because I you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. We, none I mean, of I, us do. Yeah, yeah, I knew what I liked. I knew what I read that I liked, but I threw everything in. You know, it was a enemies to lovers, uh, intrigue, romantic suspense. <laughs> Um, you know, all they, the tropes. All they the were tropes. in North Carolina. They were in Boston. They were, you know, it just. Oh, it was I like, love it. Yeah, I'll do this, and then this will happen, and then this will happen. That's like Sydney Sheldon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just everything at once. Yeah, you're just jet, you know globe trotting, yes. and yeah. it was a billionaire romance. It was. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, honestly, this actually sounds fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I say, there were great scenes that I took and used because it's like, I love this scene, but right. just they were all together, they made no sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you get this great feedback, which I mean, God bless, that was like, you know, you don't get that kind of feedback anymore. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's really hard to to have somebody give you such meaty feedback that right. you can use and you can yeah. say, oh, all right, I can take this and I can, I can do other things, but like I can take this and I can shape the next book or I can fix this one or, or whatever right. it is. And so then you went off and wrote your second one. So where were you at that point in terms of like, in terms of like what you were thinking about with the writing? Well, by that point I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I, I loved writing that first book and finishing a book and yeah polishing it and sending it out. So I knew this is what I'm going to do. Um, by that point, we were moving, we moved to North Carolina for about 10 years and we were in the process of moving. And it's like, I'm going to write books. This is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so when I went into it, I was a little bit more thoughtful about the process. You know, I'd read okay. some, um, books and, and you know, webinars and, and uh, conventions and really started honing my skills. So it's like I, I had this story, but I was a little bit more prepared when I went into it gotcha. to write an actual book gotcha. and have that plot figured out. So in the first book, did you write Steam? Did you wait till the second book? No, no, yeah, no. I like steam. <laughs> so it was just, you just went for it. You're like, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. right on there. Okay. <laughs> and so, how was that? Was that, um, yeah? How was that to write your first steamy moment? You know, it, it's hmm. when I'm writing. I, I'm a very visual person, so I'm visualizing everything that happens. So you know, there's a lot of people that say. You know, I don't like writing love scenes. I'm like, I love writing love scenes. Oh, tell I, me more. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, it's it has to be in the right place. It has to move mm -hmm. the story forward. Right. But they are, when the character is in love scene, especially the first love scene, Yeah. they're so naked emotionally 
mm-hmm. even before they get naked physically. And I, they're, they're at their most vulnerable, um, at, at least with most characters. It's not like they're virgins or anything, but they're, but in a relationship, you know, you're really completely vulnerable at that point. You wow. know, it's that literal and figurative nakedness. And I, I like to dive into that. You know, like, what is this character's insecurity? How is it going to feed into the love scene? Um, what's this character's, you know, uh, emotional damage? And what's that, how's that going to affect them? Um, where are they at in their relationship? You know, do they, is it an enemies to lovers? So they're both thinking, this is a mistake. Um, you know, where <laughs> their heads are at. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, once I figured that part out, right. then the, the love scene part, just kind of flows for me. I just kind of get them started. I don't worry too much in the first draft about, um, you know, uh, tab A going into slot B. I'm not, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not that worried about, you know, how many hands do they have and is that possible? Okay. Okay. I just, I just write it and then I go back and revise it and make sure they're not you know, three-handed or anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious in terms of your process, because, you know, I tend to sort of go through the chore- the choreography first and then sort of layer in the emotions right. and like that sort of like, you know, conversations and a dialogue, inner conversations, whatever. Do you just, are you just able to sort of like splat it out all on the page at once or do you go back through and layer? Um, I'll add more in the layering, but I pretty much do the emotion and the physical all at once, okay. you know, then polish and go back and see what they need more of, what they need less of and, right. you know, build that in. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. And did, did you feel like it just, that was sort of like your natural process or is this something that you had to, cause you have a lot of books out. Like that, that was, yes. I was on your website. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. She's got a lot yeah. of books. Um, <laughs> my, yeah. My 15th just came out this week. So yeah. Oh my God. Like, Oh, like, holy shit, prolific. Like, yeah. how, like, you know, I'm like, okay, so how long does it take you to write one? Because that's a lot of books. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but this particular way of writing, you know, the, the intimate moments, was this something that took you time to sort of come to a, a, a method that worked for you? Or were you able to do it straight away, this, this way? I was pr- pretty comfortable with writing those moments, regardless of what happened. Um, and then kind of polishing and finishing them up afterwards to, you know, fill them out and see what it needs for the story. But yeah, I, I just kind of dive in and go with it. I make sure my frame of mind is in the right spot. I make sure I've got like a whole day, you know, today is the love scene. <laughs> oh, okay. And, you All know, right. kind of really make sure I'm ready before I go into it. So I, I'm thinking about it. But okay. once I start writing, it just goes. Do you tend to find yourself like, I mean, because you're sort of saying I, I give myself the day. Does that mean you tend to really slow yourself down in terms of just like, you know, like I write 2000 words a day, but on love scene day, it might be a little less, you know, you know, is yeah. that because you, you slow down a bit? Yeah, I think so. I, I okay. it, it kind of depends on the book, you know, some books write themselves easier than others. Yeah. I mean, honestly, on When Sparks Fly, it, their love scene just like, you know, fingers flew <laughs> you know, when I was typing, it just poured out. 
but I've been thinking about it up until that point. But okay, all right. Um, so I'm sort of curious about how you dig into their vulnerabilities because I think that was the one thing that really sort of hit me with reading their their love scene is that there is so there there are their vulnerabilities are so and stark is kind of the right, the wrong word yeah. because like it's, yeah. not, it's such a fun and funny book right, right. but but it really it, it is really like laid bare you know i mean yeah. their vulnerabilities are right there and i don't know if it's because you know backstory a little backstory these two particular people um uh have been friends for how long 20 years 30, 30 years. years yeah since 30 third years. grade yeah and they've been like I mean, kind of best friends, like, like she's best friends, um, with his sister, with Mike's sister, right? Right. Mike so has a twin. So that's the, the twin. Yeah. And the so joke was that they were triplets whenever she was with them because the three of them were inseparable. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious if that gave the, if that gave these characters an, an additional layer of vulnerability that maybe you wouldn't necessarily have put in to um, characters that had just met or it was insta-love or, you know, because there's a history right. here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and that's what really made it interesting to write this scene. And when I knew I had to go with humor, you know, which isn't always there, but, you know, with these two, that's their shtick, you know, they, right. they send jokes to each other. They've kept each other laughing through him losing his wife, through her divorce, They've just kind of always been there for each other in that way of, you know, I'm not going to let you be sad because I'm going to make you laugh or something. Right. So it added that level. But at the same time, it couldn't all be funny either. There still had to be the vulnerability of, you know, what are we doing to our friendship? You know, this, you know, it was after their first kiss, which happened right before the love scene. I don't always have those two things so close together. Um, but after that first kiss, she looked at him and she said, everything has changed or something to that, you know, we'll right. never be the same. Right. Right. Because we've been friends and we've just crossed a line yeah. that there's no going back from. And then the making love was the same way. It was like, they were laughing and joking, but they were still both very aware that this was changing everything in their relationship i'm curious because i haven't made it to that point in the book what what was the catalyst like why why were they like ah fuck it like you know what i mean like what was that fuck it moment where they were like we're just gonna we're just gonna go have sex you know it was he has he's been thinking about it for he's had attraction to her for a while so he's been thinking about it (laughs) beginning of the book which is really kind of fun to sort of watch that evolution of this Zoe, who has to come around you know suddenly he's like oh she's got a nice ass (laughs) (laughs) i never noticed her ass before but now (laughs) damn (laughs) but it's you know they're both so afraid of screwing up their friendship but um they've had a couple of awkward moments there was a moment they they get together in her workshop she owns a fix it appliance repair yes. business yeah. and he comes over to the shop and they got joking one night about something about her boobs i can't even remember now <laughs> and all of a sudden 
there was a little something different in the atmosphere and they both picked up on it like oh maybe boobs are the one thing we can't can't joke about. <laughs> we just crossed the line here yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they they pulled back and kind of recovered from that but it that was probably the first catalyst that in Zoe's mind hmm <laughs> you know something was different and then they the night that everything happens there's a storm a uh, huge windstorm knocks a tree down over her driveway so he's stuck there for the night forest proximity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love your tropes <laughs> cannot leave yeah <laughs> and they've both had a couple of these little moments where they brushed against each other or something and they picked up on wanting more and both of them are like i can't do that this is my best friend i can't do that right but now that they're together and there's no power, <laughs> what else? Her daughter was do? at his, her father's house, so you know they were in the house on their own. But they still, even after the first kiss, go to their separate rooms, and then mm. start texting each other from right. their rooms. They've had this kiss, but they've decided, okay, that was fine, but we can't do any more than that. You know, we need to think this through. And then she starts texting him and he's like, just stop, go to sleep. <laughs> Seriously, just <laughs> go to sleep. Don't do this. <laughs> and then during the joking, he says something and like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm glad the doors are closed. And she comes back with, well, my door's wide open. And you know, that's a moment that it's like, okay, this is going to happen one way or another. She like threw down that gauntlet. Like, yeah, she was exactly. Just like, We're do yeah. like, here we go. Which is really right. kind of funny because she was the one, like right. I had mentioned, that didn't get it. It took her a minute. You know, it right. really took her a minute to realize that there was something there between them. Right. And then she was kind of like, oh. But I don't <laughs> think that she was as eager as he was, you know? Right. In the in yeah. the same way, which, because, and, and it makes sense. She had just been through... um a divorce and a divorce right. treated her he, he her husband cheated yeah. um i have that right right he did cheat yeah, he, yeah. yeah and, he, and, and he, you know, she's got a 13 year old daughter yeah. which you know yay 13 year olds <laughs> which they have a great relationship though i yes. really love the relationship between oh, the two thanks. of them it's it's actually very um very fun and uh, and when I was I I always go I need to write more kids into my books I have one kid written into one of the books and it was just such a well no it was second I have two and I just love writing the kids in because it brings a different dynamic to the relationships that I exactly enjoy. I was just going to say the same thing yeah, yeah. there is a third party there whether you want them to be or not there's a you know and and Zoe has promised that this is going to be Hazel's year you know this yes. is the focus yeah. is on Hazel. Everything is going to be, a, you know, they've moved into this big old house that needs all this work and her life's been uprooted because of the divorce and her focus is supposed to be on her daughter. But, you know, she needs a little self-care, too. Yeah. <laughs> and her best friend provides it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I do think, you know, I, I, this is something that I wanted to talk to you about in particular because, you know, you write romance for grown-ups, like grown-ass women, as yes. I say. Yep. And and so now, do all of your books focus on a, you know seasoned romance? I actually hate that because it sounds like we're so well salted at this age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just well, write them out, and it covers such a huge span. 
Yeah, it really is, right? Yeah. Like seasoned romance, 35 to 80. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. We need a middle something there because it, it, my characters tend to be 35 to early 40s. Yeah, okay. It's, they've got some life experience, which definitely changes writing the love scenes and so on. In terms of um, because they do have a little bit more experience or do, or in like you know sex or 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 like the sexual experience or the intimate experience i guess i'm kind of wondering yeah i think the intimate experience i i think that's where some of the the laughs can come in and Mm. you know they've been through stuff you know when when he has to pull out the box of colored condoms from her dresser (laughs) you know and it's just like Okay, yeah, these will work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got these. Yeah, yeah okay, that, that'll, that'll do. Um, I think there's maybe less angst about mm. some things because, I mean, not, it's. I think when you're younger, you may be more self-conscious. But as I'm saying that, I realize that Vicky, my older character, was more self-conscious at 70 about, about making love than... Zoe was so good question (laughs) yeah I I guess you know I think that um I mean I think it just it's so character dependent right like yes like some characters are like completely happy to like I mean some people I know are completely happy to like strip down in the middle of town square and be like look at me you know and then I, I have other characters and people too who right. are just like, you know, prefer to wear the bulky sweater because that's right. just where they feel more comfortable. And that sort of exposure is just like terrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think that we all have, I think, I think maybe our vulnerabilities change. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it could be. You're thinking about different things. <laughs> yeah. right. And I think as you're older too, you may be a little bit more, a little more concerned about, you know, cellulite and, and all those things it's like you're it's not that easy at 40 to get naked in front of somebody for the first time right I don't know was it ever that easy though I yeah. don't know I feel like at 20 I was still a little like I don't know is my butt too big you know like that sort of like you know like what are my yeah. boobs doing you know <laughs> you kind of have that that sort of like you know I don't know it's 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 petrifying yeah right it is oh it's yeah kind of well and that's why I say that's why I always dive into that vulnerability but I try to look at each character's you know each book is different right as far as how they approach it you know I I wrote a special edition um for Mountainside Haven where she's has extreme anxiety agoraphobic um he's already seen her have a panic attack once oh, wow so they're taking things very slow right. because of that. So oh, when their first right. love scene, you know, he's been very patient and very good and, you know, they've kissed, but he doesn't want to push it. When she finally literally takes him by the hand and takes him upstairs to her room, <laughs> and he's all of a sudden, he's the one who has a panic attack because he's oh. not a full pound panic attack, but he kind of stands there like, are you sure? What if something happens? What do I do if you have a panic attack? How are we going to? And she has to reassure him. You know, so that whole, that's a completely different type of love scene than Mike and Zoe in 
in When Sparks Fly because right. they were completely, the characters were coming at it from totally different places. Right. I'm kind of curious why. I I mean, do you, do you feel like seasoned <laughs> romance has always been there, been here, and now we've it's like you know, kind of like new adult became a thing because marketers wanted it to be a thing, and now maybe like they need seasoned romance. I don't because I do feel like there have been plenty of romance books that have had older characters, but maybe maybe I just maybe not as many. Yeah, I mean, I think they've been there, really. You know, if I'm going, like, way back old school. But, you know, you think Danielle Steele and, yeah. you know, some of those books, those were women in their 30s, 40s sometimes. Um, but I think a lot of it was marketing, not thinking they would sell. You know, mm. if you don't think something's going to sell, you don't market it. Yeah, you don't market <laughs> uh, it that way. Yeah. And you don't buy it. Right, yeah, I right. think five years ago, publishers were more reluctant than they are now you know now we're hearing hey send us your characters in their 40s that wasn't what you were hearing five six seven years ago what do you think shifted i think they noticed but i mean i think that um indie published romances certainly prove that you know they can kind of jump on trends that traditional publishing may not be as fast to move on right and when they start seeing that oh there is a market for those books that market that some publishers assumed wasn't there is there now mm. they're going to go for it well now that they're going for it you hear more about it you're seeing more books people are talking about it yeah. and, you know it's kind of like once a momentum is going one thing leads to another right. now did you always write older characters or do you have a smattering of uh, 20 somethings thrown in there <laughs> I had most, I think one of the youngest I wrote of like my own stories, which I'll explain that in a minute, but okay. <laughs> have been either like early thirties, but most have been 35 ish and older. Okay. Um, I did do, just do a book for um, special edition for the fortunes of Texas. And in those books, they, you know, Harlequin kind of comes up with the overarching theme every year for those fortunes of texas books so you're you know you're given the characters that fit this overarching theme which is not a complaint because i had a blast with that it was my first time writing 24 25 year old characters so it was it was kind of fun to go at it from a little differently than i usually do oh very cool so so is that what you meant by your stories versus right and it's like it's still my story but i was given the characters and given the character ages and then had to build that story around them but if i'm choosing i'm going with a little bit more mature character just i think i just relate more myself so i think i can get a little deeper into it what a wild way to work though you're given yeah. this sort of like you're given these parameters and it's like, OK, now go ahead and write this story. Right. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And it was more f- fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, I, I was excited to do it because it's a huge I mean, the fortunes of Texas have been going on for 20 some years. But to be able to just dive in and but you have these certain beats that have to happen. But other than that, you can just, you know, write this whatever story you need for these characters 
and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it That's was very fun. Yeah, she was she was a really fun uh, female main character for me to write. I had I had a good time with her. So you are um, you're published by Har- Harlequin. Would you ever consider independent? Um, sure. Okay, yeah, just kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I think there's opportunities out there. I'm one of those people that goes, I'm scared. <laughs> you know? We all are. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, yeah, I would definitely, you know, it's, uh, there's a couple stories bouncing around in my head that probably wouldn't be a, a fit, you know, okay. for established publishing. So, you know, that might be something that I would look at. That's really kind of fun. But you have 15 out with, Har- is it all with Harlequin? I'm sorry. You have 15 books. Are they all out with Harlequin? Yes. Wow. Yes. They're um, between Special Edition, um, the Gallant Lake series, and then Rendezvous Falls with HQN. I started wow. with Super Romance, but they're not around anymore. <laughs> wow. That's like, that's like the, that is some longevity with like one publisher. That's a little unusual, I think. Yeah. It's once you start working with an editor and really start getting a, a rapport Right. It helps as you're going forward because you bounce things off each other and yeah. and work back and forth. And I'm, I think because of my corporate background, I'm very into that team mm. effort. You know, right. so I like getting the feedback and right. jumping back in. You know, there's some people. It's you know, you'll see in Facebook groups, they don't let them tell you how to write your book. It's like, oh. <laughs> feedback can be valuable you know it's like yes my book is my precious (laughs) but you know I want it to find an audience and I want it to be the best that it can be yeah Um, Yeah. I had the best example on that I ever had my uh, previous agent uh, we were texting back and forth on an idea for a story and I was struggling with something and I can't even remember what it was now but it was something like well why don't you have him be next door and you know like they talk over the fence or something like that mm-hmm. and I texted her back and said well yeah but that couldn't happen because his house is on the other side of town and there isn't a sidewalk there and you know blah 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 and it took for a second and then she texted back and said but it could happen because it's fiction and you're the author (laughs) and you know that's another one of those light bulb moments of just because we create this world in our head doesn't mean it can't be erased and recreated recreated. (laughs) because i'm the author and anything can happen I think sometimes we forget that, right? Like, yeah. we're just like, oh, no, 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 that can't happen because, and it's like, right. well, no, if you wrote it that way, it could happen. Yeah. Like, it, it could it would, happen. Yeah, it would take <laughs> just a few little adjustments here and there. And, yeah. <laughs> Before we get into the steamy scene, which um, I want to talk about Mike for a minute, because sure. this is the main character, and I just thought he was so swoony. Like, uh-huh. I really loved him. <laughs> and he wasn't that sort of overbearing alpha hole that I think um, a lot of readers gravitate towards and I right. tend I I can read both but I really kind of like the ones that are a little bit more beta they're a little bit more um yeah. cinnamon know, roll or cinnamon <laughs> yeah. roll yeah which all, all feels a little but, like yeah you know but yeah but I just think that there is really something to be said about a guy who is probably so secure in his masculinity that he doesn't need to puff out his chest yeah oh, I said it there I said yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. 
because that's all I think about when I read those sort of like, you know, preening alpha holes is like, yeah. wow, what's your insecurity, yeah. dude? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of that goes, you know, back to that reformed rake, you know, that I can take this man and soften his edges. And that's a fun book to write and read too, but right. sometimes I just want to read about a grown up guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a grown-up guy doing grown-up adult things. Right. Like, what a, what a concept, yeah, you know? I know? I'm not to say yeah. that he doesn't fuck up, but, yeah. you know, like, I think that just, you know, pointedly not being a jerk is kind of, like, right. nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a moment in the book where he does anything jerky. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, he fumbles a couple times on decisions or things, but never to the point of, like, he's not overbearing in any situation he wants he sincerely wants the best for everybody yeah you know, he I mean, wants I... the best for zoe he wants the best for her daughter he loves his family you know it's a big irish family you know some of them have been in previous rendezvous falls books he's just kind of that steady guy yeah, I think I think maybe like the closest he came to being a jerk was in the bar when Zoe has that sort of date with the exactly. salesperson, and he's yeah. like he, he's he's pissed, yeah. you know, and he but he can't quite like work out his anger because he's right. not supposed to have these feelings, and right. so he's a little bit more bumbling and kind of like you look at him and you're like, why are you on the rag, dude? Like you know, yeah. he's just kind of you know he's kind of grumpy more than yeah. like jerk, you know, which is so out of character for him. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the first time we see him. Just just like, what is the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny. I thought it was yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah. And she's looking at him like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And she, because she doesn't know he has these feel, and she's like right. texting him. She's like, bro, what's going on? You know. Yeah. And he's just like, and he's like, nothing. I'm fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was like, this is great. And meanwhile, she's having this awful date with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it and was like, yeah. But even that guy isn't a bad guy. You no, know, he it's just wasn't just, for her. Yeah. 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 And and even he reads it. He's like, yeah, this is just the last date. And she's like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're I nice. Just, yeah, yeah. It's like not you, it's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the year of Hazel. We, yeah. Yeah, we can't do this. Yeah, like, it yeah. was just like such a great, like that whole, that bar scene was fantastic. Thank you very much. And so super fun to read. And just like such a great pivot for this character who is being so supportive and ultra cinnamon rolly and just like right. a really great friend yeah. to kind of see that pivot where he's like grumpy and he's like, yeah. oh, I don't like this at all. Yeah, and because nobody is, you know, sunshine all the time. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> and, I, and I think he struggles with that as much as she was surprised. I think he was just a surprise. Like I... I'm agitated and I don't know why. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Or, or even more like, I think he knew, I mean, you wrote the book. So like, to me, I'm like, I, I think, no, you wrote the book. You know exactly what you think. But like, to me, it was sort of like, he kind of knows, but he, I think he's like more agitated that like, he's agitated, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, because yeah, he's Mr. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I think there is a lot of that, like, uh, why am I, I know why. But I don't but know why. why. Yeah, you know, like, I like, know why, but why? I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm normally in control of myself and all of a sudden I'm not, you know, so maybe that 
you know, that may have been his first indication that it's more than just, hey, my best friend has a nice ass. <laughs> yeah. Know? It was like, yeah. oh, you know, wait a minute. I don't want anyone else to be with her. Right. And that kind of, you know, that may have been a little bit of one of those tipping points in the relationship of him realizing that. I think that's one of the things that I like loved so much about this book is that there it's like layer on top of layer on top of layer with them. there's a lot to sort of chip away at with these yeah. two characters and you know and that is because of their life experience his wife has passed away it was cancer correct she had cancer uh, no she was in an accident accident sorry yes. so oh yeah, yeah of course it was the accident so like on top of it it was like that sudden loss right and you know meanwhile you know Zoe's marriage is just like falling apart I guess probably in a slower way right but, you know right also pretty devastating because you know he had an affair and now he's got this new family and you know and right. so and she's kind of on her own yeah and I think that layering is a good word for it they're both they're both grown-ups and in grown-up life there's we're always dealing with multiple things at the same yeah. time you know it's yeah. you know are yeah. the kids okay is the <laughs> you know you're worried about so many things at times yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I thought it was. I knew, it was fantastic. I loved. Oh. I really love this story. <laughs> well, that makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna dig into when spark, sparks fly. Um. So you did a great job, sort of setting this up while we were talking. Right. Um. So this is their um, the stormy night, mm -hmm. forced proximity. Um. They have done the text. They they right. they have the kiss. Now they're doing yes. the texting back and forth and. Zoe sends this flirtatious, my door's wide open text, basically inviting him to come into her room. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay. Total silence. We're in Zoe's point of view right now, by the way. Mm -hmm. Total silence. His door slowly opened, showing him in silhouette against the lantern light behind him. He'd taken his shirt off and his solid chest had a shadow of dark hair across it. His jeans were unbuttoned and hung low on his hip. He looked like some hot men calendar model. <laughs> Love that. Or a movie star. His hair was a tussled mess. He'd clearly been running his fingers through it the way he did. His eyes were dark and smoldering, firm, fixed firmly on her. She was sure she did not look like a movie star, despite her pose against the doorframe and the short nightgown. But she did her best, lifting her chin in mock confidence, waiting for him to make the next move. Each step Mike took seemed to take an eternity. She wanted his hands on her, but she forced herself to wait. He stopped in front of her and let his gaze move lazily down her body. She felt its path as surely as if he'd touched her. His eyes met hers and his mouth slid into the sexiest smile she'd ever seen on a man. He cupped his cheek, her cheek with his hand, brushing his thumb against her skin. So, we're doing this, he asked. She caught just enough air in her lungs to let out a soft laugh. If we don't do this, I swear I'll never speak to you again. Well, we can't have that, can we? His smile faltered. This is one night out of a lifetime of knowing each other. One night doesn't get to ruin that. She nodded, chewing her lower lip. We're two people agreeing to spend the night together with no expectations of more. We have chemistry. We're going to enjoy that chemistry. And we're going to remain friends. With benefits, he winked. And she finally re relaxed. This was her friend. And they were about to benefit. Younger people did that all the time. So why shouldn't they? <laughs> I kind of love this. Okay, this was so great. 
I like barked out laughing at that like <laughs> at the end where it was like we we're about to benefit. Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> Um, I thought she was such a great character too. I mean, I'm like, you know, going on and on about how fabulous Mike is, but I think like, we've got to give Zoe some credit here. Um, You know, she's a great person. Like she's just working so hard um, to sort of, you know, rebuild her life. And and I think we should also, what what we didn't mention either is her dad passed away too. Right. And so she's living in his house, which is kind of falling apart. And, you know, she's got a 13 year old who is, you know, pretty sulky. Oh, and hilarious side note. I just read something on like, I think it was like NPR or something like that. There was this, that scientists finally did like this research that says um, at 13 years of age, children no longer hear their mother's voices. I saw that headline. Did you see that? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just thinking then that just popped into my head with Hazel. And I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. You know, so there is actually like, I guess a scientific thing. This is when the bond, that sort of like mother child bond breaks at 13 and kids kind of tune out they like literally turn out tune out their moms like it's a biological imperative right and I, it, it's so almost sh- like you know they're kicking themselves out of the nest or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh that makes a lot of sense yeah. so you know Zoe's actually kind of dealing with a lot she's trying to yes. make a go for you know repair business and you know and she's she's kind of holding it together too right and you um, know, she's had she's always been that a little bit different all her life, right. you know, so that kind of fades into a little bit of insecurity too. She doesn't come across as insecure necessarily, but you know, she's always been the jeans and flannel shirts helped her dad with his business. You know, she's not the, you know, a girly girl. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and she was a holdout at the, at the start of this, like he was the one going nice ass, you know, right. like he yeah. was the one kind of, figuring it out before she did yeah and she and, was kind of going like dude ew. yeah yeah and i'm kind of curious what why did you hold her back what what was the purpose of, like i don't i mean maybe you didn't even cognizant you know you're like i don't know why i did it but well, I, I thought that I, was really interesting some of that is just that conflict you know remember that first book where they fall in love right away <laughs> <laughs> don't like, let that happen again do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know there had to be that one of them had to kind of be the hold out as they were doing this. And I think in that case, she had the most reason. Okay. You know, she, she has been going through the, you know, she lost her dad. She went through the, you know, not a not nice divorce, even though she and her ex are okay now, but you know, she's gone through this. She had to move. She's dealing with a 13 year old daughter who doesn't hear her voice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So she's just got like, a lot and the one the one constant is mike being her friend yeah and she like you know she's that's kind of a lifeline for her so i think she's more nervous about losing that relationship even than mike is he's afraid of hurting the friendship too but she's more at the point of i need this and i don't want to risk it so it takes her a while before she decides it's worth the risk right Okay, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep going. We're still in that. We're still. Okay. We're still with Zoe here. Yeah. Zoe gave a soft gasp and trembled as he moved against her, using his fingers from behind as well as rubbing his still enclosed erection against her stomach. 
her head fell back, fell back, giving him easy access to trail kisses down her jaw and then her neck. He flicked his tongue against the spot at her throat where her pulse raced. The move made her legs wobble, but he had a firm grip. He moved her to the bed and lowered her. She lay there, staring up at him with unfocused eyes before she blinked and reached for his jeans. He didn't move as she lowered the zipper, pushed down his briefs, and freed him. She sat up and ran her fingers up and down his length, and he thought he might burst right there. He squeezed his eyes closed and brought himself under control as much as he could, which wasn't much. Damn it, woman. He pushed her back onto the bed and kicked off his jeans. You're going to finish me before I even get started. He stopped, struck with a horrifying thought. Shit. I don't have any condoms. Do you? Oh, I'm sorry. We're in Mike's head, not Zoe's. <laughs> she, she looked panicked for a moment, then sighed in relief. Yes, Vicky gave me a box as a gag gift when the divorce was finalized. Now, where did I? Her forehead furrowed. Then she gave him a bright smile. Smile. Tall dresser. Top drawer. Way in the back. He was already on the move. I love that she saved them. <laughs> he was already on the move, reaching into the drawer, which he suddenly realized was full of brightly colored lacy lingerie. Was this what Zoe wore under her flannel shirts? Good thing he'd never known that, uh, that before. His fingers found the small box. Eureka. He laughed when he read the package. Multicolored? Really? Zoe laughed too. I told you it was a gag gift, but they're still real condoms, right? He read the box again. Thank Christ, yes. She was still splayed out on the bed, nightgown bunched at her waist, casually revealing herself. He wiggled his eyebrows at her. Orange or blue? She squirmed on the bed, whichever is on top. In Aharia, blue it is. To match his balls, if he didn't get inside her, as soon as possible. He tossed the packet on the bed, then followed it, crawling over her and sliding her nightgown up as he did. Zoe shrugged it over her head and tossed it on the floor. I know it wasn't very sexy, but it's the fanciest one I own. Mike settled over her, tracing kisses from her ear down her neck. It was the sexiest damn thing I've ever seen because it was on you. He kissed her skin again, then nipped her lightly, smiling when she gasped. We need to talk about that underwear drawer later. Have you been hiding a lace undie fetish from me all these years? She ran her fingers up his spine, tapping as if playing a keyboard. Just because I wear jeans doesn't mean I don't like feeling... She paused. You know, girly underneath. Like I said about the nighty, you make anything sexy just by wearing it. Oh, please. She sounded annoyed and he lifted his head in surprise. We don't need to do that silly banter stuff. This is me, remember? We can be honest. Oh, I love that moment. <laughs> I mean, I I have like a lot, a lot more of this like bit like because it was so good going like highlighted, but I wanted to pause here because they're so funny with each other and they're so comfortable with each other, but there is this sort of layer of discomfort going on, like this just like the hint of it, you know. And I'm kind of curious, at what point did they realize like they were in love? Right. Like, like, they, like, and I kind it, of felt like this is where it happened. Yeah. And it takes him a while to fully realize that um, because they still, it's like, they don't want anything to change. And right. I think as a reader, you can see, oh, everything just changed. And oh, everything just changed again. Right. But they are a little oblivious to it as they're going on. It's, they're so comfortable with each other, but they've always been comfortable with each other. And even when 
I think, as you say, a little bit of that vulnerability comes back into it. They're still very, very focused on being friends. Yeah. And preserving that. So it's like they're always kind of backtracking mentally, even when they're not thinking it or when you don't see it on the page. I see them as people just kind of always going three steps forward and two steps back, you know, to really face up to their feelings. Right. And I know one of the things that we're sort of talking about is like how well they know each other because they're such good friends and sort of like, you know, writing that relationship because I mean, they, 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 you are writing a relationship that's been years in the making, but you're also, but there's also bits of that themselves that they must've been holding back because they never had intimate moments with each other. Right. So, so there is still, a sort of, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. They're, they're still discovering things yes. Yes. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Discovery was exactly what I was about to say. Right. It's yeah, kind they, of like, yeah. it's when, even when they talk, like she thought she knew everything about his, his marriage. And as they talk, she finds out a little bit more about what, ha- you know, like there was a struggle, an argument over whether they'd have children or not. And you know, that's something that she didn't know. So they kind of realized there were a few intimate things they hadn't shared. You know, it's right. like, I know everything about you, but I didn't know that. Right. You know, and, and they find some of those moments as their relationship gets deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's kind of, I think it's really cool to sort of have these characters that already start from an established place. And this is where I think it would be so easy to do Insta Love, right? Like, because they know each other, you know, because, you know, usually people are like, Insta Love, they just met. And it's like, well, they didn't just meet. They've known each other for 30 years. Like, you could almost forgive an Insta Love moment and you don't give them to that, give that to them, which I think is really kind of cool. Yeah, it, it kind of just holds there. You know, the, it's I wanted it to be so that the reader sees what's happening, but the characters don't. So the reader is, you know, I imagine at some point, you know, the reader might be going, oh, my God, you're in love with each other. <laughs> just get it on, get it right, on already. <laughs> they just keep pulling back all the time. You know, they just have that little emotional, ah, what if it doesn't work, you know, and step back. Right, right. I guess, how do you have patience with that? <laughs> it it wasn't easy. I mean, this book was, I, I've wanted to do a friends to lovers, you mm-hmm. know, and, and an enemies to lovers, you kind of automatically have, you know, there's all that snarky banter and right. you know, I hate you until, you know, it's the, you know, the old movie, you know, that grabs her for a fervent kiss and Oh, this is hot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but you kind of know that's coming. Whereas mm-hmm. having these two be such best friends, um, I wanted it to, I wanted them to be oblivious, really. And that was kind of the idea that they just, they're so close to each other. Right. They don't even see that right. things are changing between them. Right. Um, I, I one of the things, and I, I mentioned it in, in the acknowledgments, is that you know I, I'm a firm believer in male-female friendships that don't mm. have to be, mm. uh, that don't have to become anything other than actual friendships. I'm right. I'm a firm believer men and women can be good friends, best friends, and not have that, which of course doesn't make a romance novel. So I couldn't have these two. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had to fall in love, but I 
I wanted it to take that length of time before they both see the changes that are happening. Even mm-hmm. after they have sex for the first time and the second time and the third time, <laughs> they're, they're still just thinking we're friends with benefits. You know, right. we've just added something to the friendship, but it's still just a friendship. And right. then they realize it. it's like, I can't live without this person in my life. Right. Oh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Mike shifted, staring straight into her eyes to avoid any doubts about his sincerity. This isn't me asking you what your sign is, Zoe. I'm not trying to butter you up. You have always been honest. I I have always been honest with you. And that doesn't change just because we're naked in your bed, he chuckled. Never thought I'd be saying those words. But seriously, when I tell you you're sexy, I mean it. Your brains are sexy. Your strength is sexy. Even your sassy mouth is sexy. He ran his hand down her side to her hip, watching its progress before looking back into her eyes. And this body, this body is on fire, sexy. I want to take my time and cover every single fraction of it with touches and kisses, but I also want to be inside you so much it literally hurts. She relaxed under him, eyes softening. Maybe this is the trouble with the whole friends with benefits concept. Friends talk too much. He kissed her softly. So maybe we should both zip it, huh? Her smile deepened. Exactly. Let's talk more action. Yes, ma'am. He had all night to slowly explore the wonder of Zoe, but right now he just wanted her urgently. He cupped her breasts in his hands and massaged them, pinching the peaks until she was writhing beneath him. He took one rosy tip into his mouth, his heart pounding as she groaned out his name in the sexiest damn voice he'd ever heard. He didn't release her, but kept caressing and kissing and nipping until she was trembling in his arms. His free hand found his free hand found that sweet spot between her legs again, and he worked her harder and faster. She arched her back and gave the tiniest of gasps. It was a gasp of surprise, of pleasure. She'd just come from nothing more. She'd just come from nothing more than his fingers and his mouth. Hottest thing ever. I need to be in you, he said hoarsely, reaching for the condom. Hurry. She was as desperate as he was, reaching to help open the wrapper. Neither of them cared what color the condom was. They just wanted it on. He sank into her, closing his eyes tightly to let the pleasure roll over him. But Zoe wasn't waiting. She moved her hips, nearly undoing his control. His eyes snapped open. No way was she taking over. Maybe later, but not now. Now, when he was finally where he dreamed of being, he rocked against her, kissing her mouth hard as they melded together. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I also want to just throw out the last, like, line here, the next line. It didn't last as long as he wanted, but good Lord, it was so good. I love that you threw that in there. It didn't last as long as he wanted. (laughs) You know, because we're grown-ups, you know? (laughs) It's always like the guy thing, like, did I last long enough? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that you like threw that in there in that in that particular moment too, just right. after, you know, he, they melded together and then it was like, okay, well, I didn't last as long as I wanted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it worked. <laughs> but good Lord, it was good. Yeah. You know, because that was, I thought, you know, I just really like the way that you are able to sort of like capture him. And I, I struggle writing men. I really really, really struggle writing men. It is not, um, I, so I tend to write single point of point of view. So like hats off 
oh. to people that can do dual because I struggle with it. And, you know, I sent um, a book to my editor, my last book, I had dual point of view and she was like, yeah, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and I was like, remove, 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 yeah, right, no. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit of a pain in the ass experiment. So I'm, I'm kind of in awe of this and I'm wondering like, you know, how you, how do you get there into his head? Because it's so different from hers. Well, I think, I mean, part of it is I kind of, even as a kid, I was, I was gravitated to the guys, you know, when right. dad was, you know, I went snowmobiling with dad and changed spark plugs and, you know, I'm, there's a lot of me in Zoe. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I was about to, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, hey, I, even in high school, I would, you know, have lunch with a group of guys because I wasn't into what the girls were into, you know, right. I just didn't care about that stuff. Um, and, and I think even now I just, men fascinate me. <laughs> it's like, I, the way they communicate and the whole, you know, the whole ball busting thing, you know, where they just like, well, that's how I, that's how he knows I like him is because I call him an asshole every other forward. You know? But that's how they communicate. You know, the whole women are from Venus, men are from Mars thing is really so accurate. And, and I like delving into that. A lot of it gets refined in revisions because mm -hmm. I have to kind of remind myself when I'm in the male point of view or the male dialogue, they don't, I don't want to make them sound like Neanderthals, but, you, but they don't necessarily think as deep a lot of yeah. times, you know, yeah. and their, their thoughts are shorter. They view the world more as a black and white. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, you try to tell them a problem. They say, well, just do this. Well, it's not that simple. Yeah. yeah. But in their women have it. a tendency yeah. to overthink things. Men have a tendency to underthink them. Right. So, you know, as I'm writing, I'm watching length of sentences, you know, types of thoughts, you know, like even the, um, you know, was it didn't last as long as he wanted, but it was good. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a guy thing to, to think, you know, um, and not necessarily fret about it, you know, because they also kind of have that bravado, mm. um, and they don't have to be alpha holes to have that, you know, guys are, you know, I'm a manly man <laughs> and kind of approaching things from that point of view when I write. Right. Right. Oh, gosh, this is, that's, that's actually very helpful. <laughs> someday, someday, I'm someday right. I will write, um, or write the dude's point of view someday. someday. <laughs> a lot of it, as I say, it's, you know, keeping the sentences shorter, keeping the thoughts shorter, keeping things a little bit more direct. Mm, yeah. I know some, some authors write, and I, and I like this, I like this, they write their male point of view in a real staccato, like it gets very staccato, like right. they're super short sentences. And I, you know, and it, and it does, I don't think it fits with all it, like it would, that wouldn't fit with Mike. I think it wouldn't fit of, Mike. Right. In, yeah. in terms of like him as evolved man, like he, yeah. <laughs> he seems to be a bit more of a thinker, right? Like, right. yeah. And I mean, he's an attorney, you know, he's yeah. got, you know, he can logic things out in his head. Yeah. Right. But he logics. I mean, I think yeah. that is the key, right? He logics. And I don't right. want to say women are illogical, but I think that it's like, <laughs> like, I think, I, I mean, logic and not necessarily a good way. When right. I right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he can, he, 
can overthink things, which isn't necessarily, you don't necessarily see that in male characters. As right, much. right, right. But it worked. It, like, it completely worked for him and, yeah. and you know, made me fall a little bit in love with him. <laughs> like, good. Yeah. It was, it's definitely, like, these two characters, you are, like, rooting from them from the beginning. Like, you yeah. just want them to be happy. And, you right. see, and, and, like, you were talking about, like, you want the reader to see it. We totally do. From, like, you know, yeah. like, just about immediately, like, you two are perfect together. Why aren't you together? Right. You would be so happy. Come on, let's go. You yeah. know, so so it's like you know we're really cheering and like you know when they when they when the feelings start to happen, there's right. this kind of sense when you're reading it of yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because they're still like, into nope, 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 nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just so damn fun to read. Like yeah. that as a reader, like it's like it's such a great journey to go on with these two. So thank you for the oh, book. Good. Yeah, I loved it. In case you couldn't tell, I loved yeah. it. <laughs> Joe, um, where do you hang out on the internet? Where's the best place to connect with you online? Probably Facebook is where I'm the most active. I've got my author page. I have uh, a readers group which you can connect to from my author page. Um, it just seems to be more of a conversation and I'm a conversational person. And uh, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I've got Pinterest where you'll see a lot of the inspiration boards for oh, different stories. So if you want to like see who they look like, you can go there. <laughs> oh, super fun. Yeah. And I've, I've got most of them labeled. I'll have to go in and check. I haven't looked to see. Sometimes they're just still labeled. It's the working title but i'll make sure they're up to date yeah i'm never um, on top yeah. of my pinterest i don't think i've looked at it in three years so. yeah, it's, I, I go in streaks you know because yeah. you get there and it's like the ultimate rabbit hole yeah <laughs> you get there and then all of a sudden three hours later you're still there yeah yeah you're like look at all the pretty pictures yeah. Yeah. oh there's a recipe oh i want to make that yeah. well, let me save that pen yeah yeah. yeah 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 pinterest is definitely dangerous um, so uh she's you can find joe at joemcnallyromance.com i will have all of the links in the show notes as well um and i should also add just found it's, this out last night. Yeah. Joe and I both are going to be at Fall in Love New England, which is in October. I don't even remember the dates now. It's like twentieth, twenty first, I think, right around there. Yeah, right around. The, yeah, so later, later side of October, we're both going to be at Fall in Love New England, which is a wonderful uh, author conference, author reader conference that happens over uh, like a Friday night and a Saturday, just outside yeah. of Boston. Um, and it's a beautiful time to be in New England and come up uh, and do some tree peeping and hang yes. out with us. And I'm excited because I finally get to meet somebody. I know. I'm, I'm on the really podcast. looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> awesome. I've got somebody to hang out with. Yeah. We're going to have a great time. <laughs> so, Joe, thank you so much for, for being here. It's been so great to have you. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, sometimes when you write a book, you're, you're hoping that the reader's get what you were going for and you did so oh yeah <laughs> like yeah <laughs> Like, you know, I'm doing a little fist pump on this side of the mic now. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. We love the yes. fist pump. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was, it was a fun conversation. It went fast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the interview, please rate and review the podcast on your chosen podcast player. It helps other people discover the show. Michelle Major joins me next time, so make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening.